the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that one day every, at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is Lord. I want to ask you to give your attention to the book of John today. And immediately when we begin to read this passage of Scripture, you're going to recognize uh, where I am. And just for a couple of you who may be alert at this and say, hey, he preached from there not that long ago. Don't be afraid. I'm not repeating the message. Okay, totally different places. Just relax a little bit. We'll go to John chapter four and we'll begin in the middle of a conversation where Jesus is sitting by a well speaking to a woman from Samaria. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. We're going to embark on a new series of messages today, and I'll be talking to you a little bit about that in a second. But I I wonder what comes to your mind if I say the name Richard Blumenthal. This is a name a little bit out of the past, but he is still currently, as far as I know, uh, a senator from Connecticut. And he got in some hot water some years ago, a few years ago, because I think in his exuberance to be reelected or to be elected, he began to make some claims about himself that weren't exactly true. He was accused of lying on more than one occasion when he claimed that he had done service in Vietnam in the military. He made claims that he had been there and that he had been involved in the combat there. But records show that he had never gotten over there, but rather maneuvered five deferments to avoid going to Vietnam. And it got him in hot water with a whole lot of people. That's called stolen valor. It's an egregious thing for someone to make a misrepresentation about themselves. And the anger came because it wasn't just a slip. There, there were more than one occasion when he made these claims. And he got in hot water because he claimed to be something that he was not. He made a statement that he was, he tried to represent himself as something that he was never, uh, actually ever was. As I said, we are beginning a new series today, and in this series of messages uh, is called, That's What He Said. And I want us to consider some of the things that Jesus made, some statements he made, some things that he said. And in this case today, it's something that he said about himself. 
And I want to zero in today, um, and, and throughout this series, we'll look at some things that Jesus said. But today, I want to center in on what he told the woman when she said something to the effect, well, not something to the effect. She says, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes. He will explain everything to us. And this is the thing I want to center in, in on. Jesus looked her dead in the eye, and he said, I who speak to you am he. He made a claim. I'm the Messiah. Now, I'm pretty sure you recognize this event in our scripture. And again, I'm not going to preach. I don't feel led to to tell the story again. I'll make a very quick summary and say that Jesus went to Samaria on purpose to meet this woman. She didn't know he was coming, but that's what he did. And he took his disciples there. They didn't want to be there. But he met her there at the well. He waited for her to come. And he initiated a conversation. Broke all kinds of rules. Broke all kinds of social rules and and taboos. And uh, didn't care about any of those things anyway. And there at Sikar at the well where Jacob had... uh, A well that Jacob had dug. He had this conversation. And he revealed to this woman um, that... That uh, he revealed her past and in the conversation he revealed to her that he knew things about her. She didn't expect him to know about her. And then we come to this place from this conversation where Jesus is looking her in the eye and she's talking about the Messiah. And he looks at her. He says, I'm the Messiah. I who speak to you am this Messiah. The woman and eventually many others from that town came to believe this claim that Jesus made about himself. And they said to to, uh, this woman, we no longer believe just because of your words and what you said, but now we have heard. We have heard. And we know that this man really is the Christ. I'll tell you, in fact, that Jesus had made many such claims about himself and about being the Messiah. And don't worry about the children helping me preach. Let them help me. Um, Jesus made many such claims. And I'm going to interrupt myself one more time. I know they're cuter than me, so it's okay to look at them. All right. Um, Okay, but Jesus made many such direct claims about himself. He made the claim that he is the son of God. He didn't hold back that information. He didn't pretend not to be. He, in fact, made that. One of the more notable times where he uh, made that statement was when he was on trial and the high priest asked him directly, are you the son of God? He was in, he was being interrogated. And let me read to you from uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 16. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? Here it is. I am, Jesus said. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. And you see the high priest's response there. Why? What he doesn't believe. And those around Jesus at that occasion, when Jesus made the claim, did not believe that he was the Son of God or the Messiah. The reason Jesus was was crucified was there was a prevailing opinion among a whole lot of people that Jesus was a madman. He wasn't telling the truth and he is not the Messiah. There were many who didn't believe that claim. And frankly, there are many in our world today who do not believe the claim that Jesus made when it was when he plainly said, I'm the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of God. So to many, Jesus is no better and no different than Richard Blumenthal in their thinking. Because he claims to be something 
that he is not, according to some. Still others say that they believe his claim, but fail to rightly act on the claim. And here's what I mean. They don't treat Jesus like he is the Son of God. Because if he is really the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, it demands an action from us. If he is God and we know he is God, then we ought to be worshiping him. We ought to be following him. We ought to be heeding his words and obeying him. I want you to know that, thank God, there are people in the world, and you are some of, uh, some of you are one of them. Um, there are people who, who have no problem humbling themselves before Jesus because you are convinced that this claim, what he said, is the absolute truth. I happen to be one of those people. Hear me preach for very long and you will hear me say that with every fiber of my being, I believe that Jesus is exactly whom he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Son of God. I'm not ashamed to tell you today that I love Jesus very, very much and I joyfully serve him. I'm one of those people who has what I believe is a godly fear of Jesus Christ. What I mean by that, it isn't because I fear his wrath, although the wrath of God would be an awful thing. But I, I fear displeasing him. I fear disobeying him and grieving him because I love him. I love my wife. I don't know why she loves me, but I love her. And I can tell you, it's not too pleasant for me when I become aware that I have hurt her or angered her or, or, or done something that's displeasing to her. That's difficult for me. Not because she can beat me up. Last time I checked, she can't. I don't think. I'm not sure. We haven't gone to blows yet. But never have. Just have it. That, not because I fear of a, a physical response or an abuse from her, but... I, I have what I think is a, a healthy fear of hurting, disappointing, grieving her because I don't want to cause pain to my wife. I love her. And if we love Jesus, if we are lovers of Jesus Christ, the thought of, of causing, of disobeying, displeasing him should create, uh, if you will, a healthy, godly fear. We don't want that to happen because we believe uh, that he is worthy of so much better. I believe this claim. To be the Messiah. So much so that I've dedicated my life to following him and loving him and worshiping him. And I'm not alone, am I? Many of you here are one of those. (laughs) You're one of those weirdos. You're one of those. You're ruined for Jesus. You love him deeply. And you're just, there's nothing that takes his place. Amen. There's nothing like having a relationship with him. You long to please him, not to avoid his wrath, but because you love him. He, you want to bring him glory. You truly appreciate him. You long for the day when you are finally with him. Not here anymore, but with him in glory. I can't speak for any of you. And I will tell you, I'm not morbid. I'm not just counting the days until I'm no longer in this body. And I'm not anxious to leave family behind. But I'm telling you something. It won't make me mad when I get to be with Jesus in eternity. Amen. That's going to be awesome. We love him. We appreciate that he loves us. And, and those of us who are one of those people believe what he said. 
that when he said, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, it's 100% belief on our part. And so we love him and we serve him. I who speak to you am he. I think about that moment, and I, I, I won't go really far with this because I want to tell you why it is that I believe these words with everything in my, my uh, existence. But I think about that moment for that woman when she is sitting there and she's talking and Jesus looks her dead in the eye. And he says, you're looking for Messiah, I'm right here. Man, I would make a Wesleyan get blessed. I mean, us old stick in the muds. We'd get happy in the Lord right about there. Pentecostals, I don't know. They would have lost their mind at that moment. But even a Wesleyan would have been probably blessing the Lord and being happy in the Lord. It would have been an exciting moment. I want to tell you why it is that I am convinced that what he said here is the absolute truth and why this means so much. It's a little phrase, but I have to tell you, I I have to say this to you. If you can't get here, if you can't believe this, you're not going to get very far with the Lord. If you can't fully embrace the power of these words in that moment when Jesus said, I who speak to you am he, I'm the Messiah then you're not going to be able to move forward in a relationship with the Lord. Doubt this, and you're really doubting all of the Word of God. Doubt this, and you're doubting the Father. And so this is a big deal. And so I want to share with you one of the, some of the things that are upon my heart or in my heart as to why I am 100% convinced that what Jesus said here is the absolute truth. I want to talk to you about the voice of history. There is the voice of history for me. A scholar by the name of Edwin Yamauchi said, I quote, We have better historical documentation for Jesus than for the founder of any ancient religion. That's a powerful statement from a historian. I want to quote to you Lee Strobel, Dr. Lee Strobel, um, from his book, A Case for Christ. Sources from outside the Bible corroborate that many people believe that Jesus performed healings, was the Messiah, that he was crucified, and that despite this shameful death that he had, his followers who believed that he was still alive worship him as God. After his death, after his resurrection, after his ascension, there was a group of people who were around. There were were at least 500 that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. And that's that's told in the Bible. But secular historians went around and spoke to uh, a church that remained. And they said, I I witnessed some of the miracles of Jesus Christ. I saw it happen. I'm just going to ask you something. If if something remarkable happened and there were 500 people in the United States somewhere and they witnessed a remarkable event, okay? On the word of 500 people, wouldn't you tend to say, well, they're all saying the same thing consistently. They're all testifying to the same thing. So this really must have been true. I don't need that many witnesses personally to believe something like that. But certainly on the word of 500 people saying, yeah, we saw him do this. 
We watched it happen. It happened right in front of us. We know he's alive and we know he performed this miracle. That's what what um, Strobel is trying to say. One expert documented 39 ancient sources, 39 separate sources that are, if you will, secular sources that corroborate more than 100 facts concerning his life, his teachings, his crucifixion and his resurrection. More, there, there are 39 extra biblical um, writings out there that are corroborating the fact that what the Bible says about Jesus is true. It happened as it said. According to archaeologist John McCrae, there has never been one archaeological discovery that contradicts one biblical fact. Never one. Further, says McCray, archaeology has established that Luke, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned the words for the book of Luke and the gospel of Acts, was an especially accurate reporter of how things happened. He was a man of detail, and his details are spot on. So from both biblical and extra biblical accounts, we have the voice of history. It's clearly documented that Jesus never wavered from his belief or his claim to be the Messiah. From day one, Jesus knew he was the Messiah of the world. He knew it from day one. He never wavered from that. He never said anything differently. He never acted as if it might not be true. He was convinced he is the Son of Man and the Son of God. And he said it over and over again. All of his actions demonstrate that he did. None of what he said would have contradicted it. He also demonstrated an unwavering belief that he was the only one who was capable of saving the world from sin. Jesus never balked at that. He never, never said that there was another possibility. He believed with all of his heart it was him. Never deviated from his self-proclaimed purpose. And he fulfilled it all. The cross, the resurrection, all of the prophecies written, he fulfilled them all. For Jesus to believe that so firmly and so, so um, completely that he is the Messiah means one of two things. Either Jesus was right when he stood there and he looked that woman in the eye and said, I who speak to you am he, or else he wasn't in his right mind. Because you can't be that convinced. And, and either, you're either telling the truth or you're, you're messed up. Okay? Especially considering what Jesus knew it meant for him. Understand that Jesus saw the cross years before he went there. He understood what was going to happen to him. He knew he would hang on a cross. And he continued walking resolutely to that day because he was convinced and is convinced that he is the Lord, that he is the Son of God. I who speak to you, I'm that guy. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one and only Messiah. And the voice of history documents it in so many ways. It gives clear evidence that Jesus was in his right mind and not just some madman. This kind of makes me laugh a little bit. There was a psychologist, and I guess he's pretty respected and well-known. His name is Gary Collins, Dr. Gary Collins. And apparently he decided he was going to use the extra-biblical accounts and the biblical accounts of Jesus and the things that he said and the things that he taught and, and try to see if he could ascertain if, there was, if Jesus had 
if he was um, not uh, going with a full Happy Meal, okay, that, that, that something wasn't right. So here's what he wrote, and I'm quoting him. Jesus exhibited no inappropriate emotions, was in contact with reality, was brilliant, had amazing insights into human nature, and enjoyed deep and abiding relationships. I don't see signs that Jesus was suffering from any known mental illness. This is a secular assessment of who Jesus is. Extra biblical sources also corroborate the, the, the whole account of the Bible of the empty borrowed tomb of Jesus. Historically speaking, there is nobody, not even the Roman government or the Jewish leaders, who ever claimed that the body of Jesus is still in that, that tomb. It's empty. It's out of there. They made up a story that the disciples came and stole the body. That, that was made up. We read about that in the Bible. But they, they can't, that can't be uh, corroborated. They can't find the body because the body's not there. Jesus is alive t- uh, today. And so the voice of history clearly confirms for me that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. There's no critical, credible uh, historical evidence to the contrary. The historical figure that we hear about known as Jesus of Nazareth is that same figure that we read about in the Bible. It's Jesus. I believe this claim because of the voice of experience. When I speak of the voice of experience, I'm talking about people who have either seen him or heard Jesus who have, or else have had another personal encounter with him in other ways. If you were about to take a trip to an exotic place that you've never been before, and you can make it up, Fiji, you know, Hawaii, whatever. You, if you were uh, trying to plan for such a trip, and you wanted to know more about the place, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you want to talk to somebody who's already been there, as opposed to somebody who's read about it, like you could read about it on the internet? I personally would like the eyewitness account. You know, what did it feel like? What was it like? Did it smell good? You know, all those things. You've been there. When Darlene and I made a decision earlier this year that we were going to fill a bucket list kind of thing and go out and see the Grand Canyon, my first time to see it was absolutely stunning. When we were talking about it, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to know from firsthand experience. It happened that Darlene had been out there ahead of me. Little brat went without me. And, but I, I got to hear about this place. One of the things it excited me about it. It's why I wanted to be there. I wanted to see it because she's been there and she was able to explain some things. And I talked to a few others. Oh, make sure you do this. Make sure you don't do that. You know, and we we uh, looked into all of that. It's a wonderful thing to be able to have that insight. You gain a lot more insight from somebody who has been there through the Bible and the extra biblical text. We have accounts of people who have both seen and heard Jesus and those who have encountered him in other ways. One secular historian of his day was named Josephus. And he documented several things about the life of Jesus Christ and his followers. He was rather fascinated with the church of Jesus Christ. And he was not believed to ever have become a believer or a follower of Jesus. But this was his conclusion. I'm quoting him. There was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works. He was Christ. Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, condemned him to the cross. He appeared to his followers alive again the third day. He documented that. 
And it is a voice from, from experience. And he spoke to people who saw Jesus alive. And he wrote their responses and came to that conclusion. There are other extra biblical texts that discuss the followers of Jesus who testified of miracles and teachings and the crucifixion and resurrection. All of it from personal first-hand accounts. And because of that, I believe it. I believe in Jesus. And I believe his statement. Church, or Jesus' church and his teachings have never ceased to grow. Have never ceased to become a bigger influence. And so the church remains today because of that belief. Many people who were part of the gospel chapel could and would give witness if I would let you do it today. You could stand up and say, let me tell you about my encounter with Jesus Christ. And there are many of you itching to do it right now. You would happily tell me about it. Many of you had supernatural things happen in your life that can only be explained this way. It was God. He did this. God has performed this thing. We have people in our own congregation who can testify to the great things that God has done. Certainly here recently, I know I refer to it a lot, but I'm just grateful to God. Here recently, God healed a man who had stage four pancreatic cancer with lesions on his liver. And he's healed. He's healed. That is, I say it to you again. I've never, ever encountered a soul who had that diagnosis who wasn't gone in three weeks. Except for this man because of God's faithfulness to our prayers and his answer. It's a bona fide miracle. And if you don't believe in Jesus after seeing that, I don't know how to help you. I'm not trying to be smart. Who do we think did that? Doctors? They would say, his own doctors would say, nope, wasn't us. We, our treatment that we use on Joe, other people passed away. It wasn't the treatment alone, folks. It was because we serve a mighty God and we serve the Messiah. I who speak to you am he. I'm present. I'm here and I'm the savior of the world. And Jesus went around healing. Jesus went around doing the things that he did. And we have that testimony. Many of you right here can give testimony to the fact that, yes, Jesus is alive. Yes, he's well. Yes, he is the savior of the world. He lives right here. He dwells in me. And you know it as well as I do. Frankly, if Jesus never did one more thing to me, Or for me. I already have enough evidence. And experience on a personal level. To know that he is exactly who he says he is. He heals. He's healed me on a couple of occasions. Here pretty recently. When I felt led to ask the board to pray over me. And anoint me because of my back. I don't have back pain today. Because I believe the Lord healed me. I believe in his power. And so for me he is Lord. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the Son of Man and the Son of God. He is the Alpha and Omega. And He is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold, my shield, and my refuge. He's the Rose of Sharon, my friends. He is the rock. He is the pearl of great price and the Lamb of God. He is the Christ, the Messiah. The son of the living God. He's the one who will be riding on a white horse one day. And on his thigh will be king of kings and lord of lords. That's Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And as an African American preacher would say. Can I get a witness up in here? Amen. He's a great God. And he is who he says he is. And then we have the voice. uh, I've talked to you about the voice of history. The voice of experience. But of course to me. The voice of the word, the voice of the word, 
has so much weight. We have the voice of God's word. You've already heard me say that no archaeological dig has ever produced anything to contradict a biblical account of historical facts. In fact, the opposite is true. They just confirm. They just show. And as I also mentioned, the prophecies that occurred in the scripture that are there in the scripture foretelling the coming of the Messiah. Hundreds of years after the ink was dry on the parchment. Hundreds of years later, Jesus came exactly the way God said he was going to come through the prophecies. Every prophecy about Jesus has been fulfilled exactly the way that those scriptures have told us it would happen. Jesus and Jesus alone Passes the scrutiny of Old Testament prophecy. There was no other figure who came close to being the Messiah. Every promise that Jesus himself made also came true. Precisely as he said it would. He foretold his own trial and his death and his resurrection. He told it before it ever happened. It all happened exactly as he described. He told Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter said, that's not going to happen. But guess what? It happened exactly the way Jesus said it was going to happen. He portray- or he predicted his betrayal. And as exactly how the Lord predicted it, it happened at the hands of Judas. And he told his disciples when they were headed toward the upper room, here's where you're going to find what you're going to find in town. You'll find a, a colt. Of a donkey. And you're going to untie that. Somebody's going to ask you what you're doing with it. Tell him this and he's going to let you have it. Boom. Happened exactly like Jesus said it would happen. We have the validity and the testimony of his word. He foretold the fall of Jerusalem before he was crucified. He told his disciples that in in about 70 years it would happen. It happened exactly, precisely when and where he said it would happen in the way it would happen. The Bible is 100% accurate on every prophecy that it has ever given. Nothing has failed to take place or will fail to take place. If the Bible says it happened, it happened. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Every prophecy will. Listen to me, my friends. Count on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back to this world again. Count on the fact that there will be a tribulation period where we'll see troubles in the world like we've never seen before. Count on the fact, though, that Jesus is going to rapture his church and take us home to be with him in glory. Count on the fact that the earth is going to one day be completely destroyed along with the solar system and the elements will melt. With a fervent heat, it's going to happen. Count on the fact that every human being who has ever existed will one day stand before a mighty judge. And we will be there. Again, count on the fact that even Satan himself will one day bow his knee and proclaim with his mouth to Jesus Christ, your Lord of Lords, your King, you're the God of gods. Brothers and sisters, We have the word of God, and I have to tell you, I am humbled today and grateful that God has given me faith and the power and the ability to believe. Listen to me. We need to go to prayer, church, for those who can't find that. Because there are people, despite all of the evidence, despite of all the voices, who will flat out not have faith to believe the things that I have said to you today. One day Jesus was speaking to a woman at a well. A broken down, hurting, messed up woman. 
And she was trying to discuss with him some things that she didn't fully understand. Things of God. And she made this statement in a kind of whimsical, sort of wishing way. I know one day Messiah is going to be with us because that's been predicted. And when he comes, he'll explain everything. Imagine a moment. I who speak to you am he. I remember the moment when it, that truth hit me. It became a reality. That I was in the presence of Jesus Christ. I was 10 years old, kneeling at an altar, not understanding what in the world was happening all around me. It was a bunch of crazy pilgrim holiness people. People were hollering and crying and, and yelling at my dad all kinds of instructions because my dad was up there at the altar praying. And men were beating on his back and yeah, I'm hearing these instructions. Hold on, let go, look up, look down. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what was going on. I just found myself up there. I'm listening to my brother pray. I never will forget this moment. I didn't understand what was going on or why it was going on as my brother is crying out to God, asking Jesus to come into his heart and forgive his sins. I still didn't know what was going on. I was just up there to see what was going on. And suddenly, I felt led. Somehow, I don't know how to tell you this, the Holy Spirit came to, to, to me in some wonderful way. And I felt led. And I, be, I found myself praying. And it was such a powerful prayer. Dear Jesus, I don't know what to do. But if you, Actually, I didn't even say Jesus. I said, Dear God, I don't know what to do. But if you tell me what to do, I'll do it. Amen. That was my prayer. It was a 10-year-old boy's prayer. I wish I could explain this better. But suddenly, I was aware he was right there. And I realized that he is Jesus, the Son of God. I don't even know how I got this in my head. I honestly don't. And suddenly I realized that I didn't belong in this picture. He was holy and I wasn't. But he told me in the way that he could tell a 10-year-old boy, I want you, Ken, I want your life. and I want to live in you. I want you to be my child. I want you to believe in me. I want you to give me control of your life. And at that moment, I understood it all. I who speak to you am he. And I began to cry out to God from my heart. And it didn't take long. I felt my sins being washed away right there. I felt his mercy. I felt his presence. I, I experienced that at that altar rail. And I will tell you when I stood up, I was a brand new person. And I had Christ living in me. And from that moment on, honestly, from that moment on, I didn't fight doubt that Jesus is the Christ. Now, I went on through my life and became a Bible college student. And in Bible college, I said, listen, I'm going to investigate this and make sure I'm not you know, some kind of nut here. I, I want to know the truth. And so I looked at the voice and tried to hear the voice of history. I looked it up. I studied some of that. I looked at the voice of experience from both historical accounts and talking to other people. I, I went on that search so that I would know that I wasn't up some kind of crazy trail. And then I looked again in the word and it came alive in a new way. And it confirmed for me, Ken, 
I who speak to you am he. And I know many times when I've had tough things going on in my life and, and, and life being reversed, Jesus would step up in those circumstances and I would sense him saying, Ken, I who speak to you am he. I go back to the moment when Jesus is on trial there and he, he is asked by the high priest if he is the son of God. He is asked, is, is he the one um, that he claims to be? Are you God's son? Are you, are you the Messiah? And the high priest uh, gets this answer. And I love this because it harkens back again to what God said to Moses when Moses says, what's your name? Jesus answered, I am. That's who he is. He's I am. I don't know where you are today, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing an old, old chorus that when I was 10 years old in the church, we used to sing. And I'm going to invite you to join it. I'm going to give you the lyrics. You're going to know them in about 10 seconds. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. There you go. Got it all. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. That's your lyrics, okay? And this is, was a song that when I was a little boy, we would sing. And there would be times when I would have to reconfirm that because of I was a mess. And I had to, no, no, I'm going to follow the Lord. And at times I would come up to the altar and sing it to the Lord there. No, Lord, I dedicate myself to you. Now, I know I'm looking at some people maybe who, and you've done that. You've dedicated yourself to the Lord long ago, and you don't have doubt in your heart, but I'm asking you to sing this song again with meaning and with all of your heart and say, you know what? I'll confirm this to you today, Lord. I've decided to follow you. I believe that you who speak to me and he, I believe you are the son of God. Now, there are maybe some people here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can have an experience very similar to the one that I had. I'm not saying it has to be emotional, but you can leave here without a shadow of a doubt if you will believe. You can have Christ. You can have a relationship with Him and you can know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you to do a bold and hard thing. We're all going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing this song. And there will be some of you who will need to step forward here and let people pray with you because you have, you have to, you have to nail this down today. I'm following Jesus. I'm done doing it my way. I'm done being who I am, and I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. I need Him. I've decided to follow Jesus.